Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today I have with me Matteo Rashaki with Voodoo Brewery. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn about what you got going on. Tell us about Voodoo Brewery. How are you serving folks? Um, so yeah, Voodoo Brewery is um a you know manufacturing and retail-based uh brewing company that we are uh headquartered here in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Um we uh produce about 4,000 barrels of beer here uh, annually at this point in time. Um, Started with um, one brewery and one tap room, and we've expanded to uh, seven retail locations that are corporately owned, as well as a second uh, and and larger manufacturing brewery. Um, We founded in 2005. Um, We are uh, partially employee-owned and growing every year. Um, And uh, we've just recently uh, decided to uh, break off uh, the uh, direct-to-retail program uh, by way of a franchise model. Now, how did that decision come about? What attracted you to franchising? Well, um, after opening seven successful corporate stores, um, we really felt like we had it more or less figured out. Um, And the more stores we've added uh, to the you know, portfolio here, you know, we've refined a lot of things, things, you know, like our, our, you know, packaging and palletizing and delivery systems. Um, we centralized all of the bulk manufacturing of our food products for our kitchens. Um, so we felt like with all of that in mind, it was really well incubated for uh, a franchise model. And one of the partners, uh, Jake, you know, he, um, it was his brilliant idea one day to say, you know, I, I really think that, you know, we could do this. And it's a little non-conventional for a brewery to franchise just the retail store side of the business. A lot of these um, other brewing franchise opportunities do include the brewery part. Um, so what's great is, you know, this is kind of uh, an opportunity to to own and manage a brew pub, you know, without all of the uh, headache and, um, you know, very refined knowledge it takes to, to run a, a manufacturing entity as well. Um, so that's really kind of how it happened. So now how are you going to address kind of, um, one of the attractions to consumers about, uh, these artisanal craft breweries is that local flavor and the kind of creativity of the local owner? Well, I, I do think there's kind of two sides to that. Um, what we are finding, um, not just regionally, but nationally, globally, um, you know, the, the craft beer drinker, especially those who are frequenting, um, you know, the, the, the craft beer uh, retail locations, um, you know, they are um, looking for products, you know, not only of a certain caliber, but this whole, uh, as much as you'd like to source locally and regionally, you know, people's palates are being really refined towards certain flavors and, you know, Southern Hemisphere uh, hops are, are a major uh, part in that. So I don't necessarily think that um, the proximity of where the beer comes from is particularly uh, imp- it, it, as important as it as one may think. 
Um, because the flip side of that is, you know, you have a business that is independently owned and operated, you know, that's hiring, uh, you know, folks, employees uh, from the region. Uh, We are actively involved in um, all kinds of uh, nonprofit and charity work with the local organizations, the giving back, you know, to the the communities where these uh, independent stores are located. Um, We participate in those local beer events and festivals. And I, I think we, even though the beer is not manufactured per se locally, um, it's still very much a local business. Now, p- part of uh, the growth of your business individually prior to franchising was kind of creating that sense of ownership and the employee-owned element of it. Is that going to transfer to the franchisees? Is that going to be a recommendation? Is that um, How is that going to come into play? Yes. So um, from my understanding, and again, a lot of the, 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 the legal and, and the sales side of this is a big part of what Jake uh, has has and continues to done he, do here. Um, my understanding is that there is, um, you know, obviously recommendations for the employee ownership, the ESOP model uh, at these retail locations, especially uh, for independent owners who are looking to do multiple units. Um, you know, we are offering um, you know some incentives and and things on the uh, on the franchise transaction side to you know try to encourage that if possible. Now, as you're growing, is it are you starting out kind of regionally and expanding out from where you started, or is it now kind of a free for all and the whole country is is available? Well, so yeah, definitely started regionally. Um, the first one that we sold and opened is in Cleveland, which is only about an hour and a half from our headquarters um, and only about an hour from our Erie store, which is you know pretty pretty close. Uh, the second one that we uh, sold and, and is an operation is in New Kensington, um, you know, which is about a 35, 40 minute drive from our homestead pub. And again, probably another hour and a half or so from headquarters. So these locations were very close by. Um, we have one that's opening in two weeks out in Indiana, Pennsylvania. So another Pennsylvania one, um, you know, that's about a two and a half hour drive from headquarters. And again, probably only uh, about an hour from our state college store. So, uh, so what's nice about those is, you know, it did kind of happen organically more on a regional locale because we didn't really have a whole lot of marketing behind this um, until just recently partnering with Raintree. Um, you know, we, they kind of, organically sold by almost word of mouth and a little bit of, um, you know, customer uh, coming in and, and, and finding out about it being available. So it's kind of like a natural progression for them to kind of start locally. And yes, right now we are expanding out. Um, we have compliance with most states throughout the United States. Um, we are obviously focusing um, a lot in areas where we already currently have wholesale distribution, which is an important piece of how this uh, this comes together with the uh, manufacturer, the wholesaler, and the retailer. Um, but there would be no area in the you know it, it, that we would not be able to consider um, uh, opening a store and and working out those arrangements. Now, is there kind of a makeup of a market that uh, makes a good voodoo brewery market? Is it like close to colleges? Is there, you know, certain level of suburbs, exurbs uh, that make a certain area more attractive than others? Yeah, so we definitely think that, you know, there's a sweet spot 
um, hovering between like the five and 6,000 square foot um, kind of retail footprint, if you will. Um, you know, we work very creatively with, um, you know, di very different dynamic spaces. Um, we definitely like being in downtown communities, not necessarily downtown major city communities, but maybe a, yeah, like a suburb outskirt, uh, potentially like an up and coming or developing neighborhood um, has been uh, traditionally uh, where we find a lot of success. Um, but at this point in time, there's not a whole lot of areas where we don't feel that it's, it won't fit. Um, we don't really look at much from like a, a strip mall or, or um, situation like that at this point. Um, they're usually kind of standalone units that um, become um, an anchor store or a, 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 a very you know, community uh, driven initiative. What about markets that have, um, you know, X number of craft brewers already kind of there? Is that a good sign or is it, do you prefer to be the first one there or do you like it to be more mature where there's several? I think these days you'd be hard pressed to be the first one anywhere. Um, but I, I do think that, yes, there is a saturation point. Um, and at the same time, you want to be cognizant of very developed brands in certain communities um, you know, Voodoo Brewing has um, a, a bit of a, a reputation nationally, perhaps even globally, uh, due to the peer-led beer festival circuit that we participate very much in, uh, as well as hosting one of our own here, uh, our Good Vibes Festival uh, here in Meadville every year in July. Um, you know, I think that will help separate um, the the business that we incubate in a community, uh, despite what other opportunities are and, and options are available to the consumer. Um, I do think there's a, um, a point where, you know, the high tide rises all boats. Uh, and, and I think right now we've never seen that um, more displayed than ever um, with communities you know, supporting businesses, small businesses, you know, during, uh, you know, this, this very uh, trying year. Um, so I do think that that, um, is a is a true facet of what we are doing and, and what we look for, um, but there is going to be a, a point where that that does become saturated, especially if you have um, a couple of, of of more well known and, and acclaimed um, you know breweries in a, in a small proximity. Now, what does a franchisee look like? Are they people that have maybe own their own existing franchises, food and beverage franchises, or are some of these just kind of super fans, like you mentioned, that uh, want to expand into, you know, maybe second career or second acts? Um, it's for so far, it's been the latter. Um, I can speak from the experience, you know, only so far into this new initiative that we're doing is we've got franchisees that are either starting their first business with a voodoo franchise or starting their first franchise business with a voodoo franchise. So it's definitely more people who are looking for creative ways to, uh, like you said, that second act or, um, you know, doing something that they love, um, having a passion, maybe owning their own business. It does take a lot of the pressure off um, starting a business, especially retail bar restaurant style business where a lot of the guesswork gets taken out. Um, you, you get the benefit of not experiencing all of the mistakes that we have learned um, when we deliver, you know, the, the documentation on, on how these function. 
Um, so it is, it has been attractive to that latter group um, so far. I do think it'll have some great momentum and opportunity when it's marketed to seasoned franchisors. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, we'll have to see um, if, if that's the case. And let's talk a little bit about your relationship with Raintree. How did that evolve? So we were very fortunate to have met them. Um, we, we met them virtually, uh, Jake did, and was very impressed with their, their tactic and the, the reputation that they've had. They're very selective. So at the end of the day, we were actually flattered to even get um, the, the response back. They're interested in a meeting. And uh, a couple of meetings turned into them coming to the brewery uh, for a long weekend. And we shot a bit of a promo video. And this was all as we're kind of in the courting stages of, of partnering unofficially, uh, basically as us as a franchise client of their marketing arm. Um, and I think for whatever reason, it was a couple too many voodoo beers. You know, we got to talking about, well, you know, it, it doesn't happen often, but, you know, Rain Tree or some of its partners uh, actually on occasion will um, potentially invest in the franchised business um, and bring the full force of their, um, you know, marketing and, and, um, and skill set to the table. And uh, so that's really where those conversations developed into more of a formal partnership uh, with some of the rain tree partners uh, and, and, and voodoo fran- uh, voodoo uh, licensing voodoo franchise group. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we were, um, it was, a very natural progression uh, with a group of very like-minded um, uh, individuals that uh, we really seem to, to to hit it off. And so then this allowed you to each of you focus in on what you do rather than kind of all of a sudden you're in the franchising business. Cause that's a different business really than running a business. Um, right. It's more of a training development and sales organization. Right. It's oddly familiar uh, to parts of the beer industry, right? I mean, making beer, no. Um, You know, having to come up with a brand and marketing it and compliance and sales of those products, ultimately, it's oddly familiar. Um, But we are not the experts by any means. We we are a novice at best. And we're we very much were learning, uh, you know, as we went. Uh, What Raintree was bringing is uh, what I would call a very high level, uh, an expert level of uh, this sales and marketing and support for a very new concept uh, for a franchise. And that's kind of been the voodoo way. You know, we, we being employee owned and uh, hiring some of the best people in the industry, you know, we, we kind of let everybody do their thing and stay out of each other's way and focus on their departments and excel in their craft and sure, there's some overlap, but you know we've done very well by letting everybody kind of stick to their wheelhouse, if you will. Uh, and this is no exception to that. You know, you bring on a group like Raintree that that's their specialty. That's what they bring to the table. They're the experts. We'll let them run with it. Um, so we felt that it was a very, um, a very good game plan on how we were going to approach, um, you know, what we had started uh, at a very um, higher level. Now, when you have an employee-owned uh, 
an operation like you do, how does that come into play when you're making a decision of this magnitude? Did you bring this up to everybody and say, hey, this is what we're considering? Was this made? And then you tell them that this is what we've decided. How, how do you kind of navigate that kind of kind of it's a big decision? It, it is a big decision. Um at this point, when it came to the franchise model, um, we didn't sit down and have a, a, a big family meeting about it. Um, you know, we have a, a, um, a very large organization with a lot of employees. Many of them work on the retail level as, um, you know, service managers, bartenders, uh, you know, uh, folks in the kitchen. Um, what we uh, did was take more or less department heads. So employees who are heads of departments, maybe my director of culinary, uh, my director of, you know, business development, um, you know, our retail director, um, you know, our production team, a uh, few, you know, marketing director, all these people kind of came together and, you know, we looked at this that way. Um, and ultimately, you know, based on any corporation, how your, your, your bylaws are written, you know, it just comes down to essentially a, either a decorum or some kind of a, a vote from uh, your uh, direct, you know, directors and officers. So um, at the end of the day, that that's really ultimately how these more refined decisions are made is, is, you know, um, kind of pulling from different areas of the business and the people who are overseeing those departments and then trying to make a decision in that way. And then when you were kind of debating the pros and cons of franchising, like it, it, there had to be some people that were like, I don't know about this. This is, but there was a debate and a consensus, obviously, to go forward with franchising. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you, you're going to do a, a bit of a SWOT analysis with any decision of this magnitude. Um, and yes, there's definitely, you know, some some pros and cons, um, you know, but but at this point, you know, we really felt that um, especially when we're getting you know calls and things from you know community development agencies redevelopment agencies economic you know progress alliance agencies you know it, it really made us feel like we were making the right decision by doing this because um, if you can have a business that has proven success especially as an anchor business or um, a pilot project for a redevelopment initiative you know that's something that we feel very good about and we have a lot of experience with and it really does feel like it's much bigger than beer. Uh, it's much bigger than a restaurant. You know, it's much bigger than a brew pub. Um, you know, sometimes these, these projects can transcend, um, whatever you perceive it to be on the surface. So it almost became, um, you know, a much bigger project than what meets the eye. Well, I think that the impact in all these communities and the scale you can get so quickly, um, can really, make a difference in a lot of communities, especially struggling ones, you know, when this pandemic wanes and people get back out there, this is going to be kind of a rallying place. Well, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, that it seems interesting to launch a franchise marketing initiative, especially for a retail restaurant centric style business during, you know, this, um, this past year with everything that's going on. Um, but really, it's actually been almost like the perfect storm because we are having these conversations with people who are trying to refine current models, um, look at investment opportunities differently. Um, you know, there's a lot of real estate opportunity out there right now. There's a lot of license availability out there right now. So th there's a lot of pieces of this that oddly made sense to a lot of potential um, you know, franchisees. And that's why we are 
and so busy having conversations with people about um, you know these offers because there, there's never been a more unique time to venture out and do a business, whether it's the first time or the tenth time, um, in a way where you've got a little bit more confidence um, in in its success. Now, what do you need more of? How can we help you? I mean, as always, I mean, we're looking for great leads. Um, you know, we, we love, um, you know, very hands-on individuals who, who are looking for an opportunity like what we're offering. Um, you know, as you know, in this industry for every, I think it's like a, a ratio and, and Jake would be able to say it better, but they say, you know, for every, every hundred leads, you know, you have maybe one tangible lead, one, one that, you know, arrives to a, a much in more in-depth conversation about, you know, the offers. And, um, you know, obviously that's, that's a good starting point for us right now is, you know, kind of reaching out in all corners and seeing what, um, you know, what folks might be interested in. Well, congratulations on all the success. Um, it's a great story and you should be very proud of, of what you guys are doing. Well, thank you very much. It means the world to us. You know, we, 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 we feel confident in what we're doing. Um, and, uh, we're excited about what we're doing and, uh, we just hope to get uh, some other people excited as well. And if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the website? Uh, just go to voodoobrewery.com and there is a tab on the left side of the screen that has, um, you know, start your own or, or um, have your own and uh, it'll bring you to um, a page where you can fill out, out a form and it has a plethora of information uh, available for you. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for sharing your story today, Mateo. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.